This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Also joining us... uh, Former uh, Washington Capitol, former Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Leapin' Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. How are you? Good morning, Wally and Naz. How's everybody out there? Everybody's great. Thanks so much for joining us, Lou. Uh, just to let our listeners know, I introduced uh, uh, Lou as a former Washington Capitol and former Toronto Maple Leaf. And lo and behold, we have a special guest this morning who also fits that resume criteria in some parts. Uh, former Washington Capitol, former Toronto Maple Leaf, and former New York Rangers Stanley Cup winner, Nick Kiprios. Nick's got a great new book out. It's called Undrafted, and uh, we certainly look forward to talking to Nick about his incredible and interesting career. Uh, was not drafted into the NHL, but uh, made, uh, made a name for himself, managed to earn a Stanley Cup ring, and managed to have a, a remarkable career at Sportsnet, and he's still going strong, so it's a great opportunity to catch up with Nick Kiprios. Uh, on that note, Lou, uh, Naz, uh, I went to bed a little bit early. I didn't, you know, I fell asleep on the couch last night, and apparently I missed, I missed uh, a remarkable ending to a World Series game. Uh, if you guys can recap that, I, uh, it looked like the Tampa Bay, I was about to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Rays, um, they looked uh, they looked like they were about to uh, get in themselves into a really big hole that they could not get themselves out of, or it would be very tough for them to get themselves out of, but somehow they stole victory from the jaws of defeat in the uh, in the uh in the last inning, guys, what happened? Well, what happened was uh, the Dodgers brought in their closer. And uh, first and second with two outs, uh, single to right field. So the guy's second scores. And uh, on the throw in, uh, apparently uh, Taylor, who's a center field, playing center field, uh, fumbled the ball. And Azarena, who's on first base, ran right through. And as as the ball came into the catcher, the catcher pretended to have the ball and take a swipe at Azarena because he was halfway between third and home and lost the ball. And uh, Azarena actually swam uh, on the ground home and scored the winning run. As you can see, he, he stumbled halfway through third and, and home plate. And uh, that was the ball game. Naz, uh, set it up for us a little bit. Uh, we're yeah, you remind me. You remind me of Daniel Jones falling third home on. So are, are we in the? Uh, we're in the uh, bottom of the ninth here. Yep, bottom, uh, bottom of the ninth. Of the ninth. Bottom, bottom of the ninth. ninth. The LA Dodgers have a one-run lead. 
And we're talking, there's two outs. Yep. And there's two men on base. Yep. And one of the, uh, one of the Tampa hitters who apparently hasn't been hitting up a storm at all managed. No, he came off the bench. Phillips. Came off the bench. He he manages to single, he manages to single it out to the outfield and then chaos ensues. Take us from there, Ness. Well, he throws he throws uh, to the plate, but the catcher should have had it, and it came off. And um, the runner at third scored on the play and they won the game. But Tampa's been getting these clutch hits the whole series, and I think they may have the Dodgers' number by the time it's over. So we're now uh, we're now uh, an even series. So anything can happen. This is a series that probably could have, uh, you know, certainly should have been. Three and one. Correct my math if I'm wrong, guys. Um, and now it's two and two, and it seems like the momentum has swung Tampa's uh, Tampa's way. Uh, as I said, I, I I didn't manage to make it to the end of the game last night, uh, uh, but I certainly watched the highlights this morning. And in that last walk off hit, uh, it looked like uh, the. L.A. Dodgers were doing the 2020 version of the Keystone Cops. I mean, it was just bizarre. Um, sorry, sorry, I missed it in real time. It, it's what makes it's what makes fans so passionate about baseball. Is you know sometimes these games are you know until until you get the last out. Sometimes these games are not over, and that one was certainly certainly a bizarre ending. Uh, Dodgers Rays, uh, they're they're in it now. And it's it's exciting. It's it's the time of year when you expect World Series baseball. So uh, I uh, I would uh, I would take that a lot of people are watching. Uh, certainly the baseball fans are watching. Guys, set up the rest of the uh, series for us now. Um, certainly, it has now become a series. Uh, the Dodgers look like the best team in baseball uh, for most of the year. Uh, if not all the year, um, have looked have looked good. They uh, had to come back from a pretty serious deficit in the Atlanta series, but they they managed to come back. Um, what do you foresee the rest of the series here, guys? Well, I, I, I like the Dodgers only because they got um, they got Kershaw and Bueller in game five and six uh, coming up. So obviously, like, like everything, uh, pitching is. Uh, uh, is at a premium now. What's, what's going to happen is if both teams get into the bullpens early, because they really, they really been up. They haven't kept up to their uh, to their standards, especially the Dodgers, with four blown saves. Uh, so, but I, I like Dodgers starting pitching over uh, Tampa's. Naz, uh, we're into uh, best two out of three here now. What? Uh... Dodgers have been uh, seemingly the best team in baseball. Um, great record, great starting pitching. Um, Mookie Betts. What else? What else do you see there? What do you? Uh, how do you see the last, uh, the next two, maybe three games un- unfolding? I like Tampa's bullpen better than I do the Dodgers. The Dodgers seem to me falter most of the time, and I don't know why, but. Uh, their bullpen is better. Tampa Bay Rays bullpen is much better than L.A. this series, and I think they're going to win it. So 
the the uh, manager, Tampa manager, has got to figure out how to get the ball from the from the starters to the bullpen. Uh, usually, uh, usually in postseason baseball, the managers come under a significant amount of scrutiny. Uh, decisions are are highly highly analyzed and highly critiqued. Uh, anything in this series you see that where one uh, one manager's uh, perhaps doing a better job than the other one, or perhaps one has made some moves that are questionable? Uh, Nas first, you and then Luke. I can't blame either man. You can't either manager. I don't think they've made bad moves for the whole series. It's just been great baseball. Blue, uh, it, it's more or less. I think. Uh, Right now, I think Pat Cash is more or less, uh, he's pulled the right strings and put the people in the right place, especially changing certain lineups uh, uh, as the series goes on. Uh, and the Dodgers manager, he's more or less, he's just going to have to worry on now on when do I pull my starting pitcher if he's going well? Do I keep him in there an extra inning, an extra batter? Uh, because he might be thinking about not wanting to go into the bullpen because of the problems that they've had in the World Series. Well, I, I think if at the Donner, at the, that, that obviously one of the key to the key to the series and the key to the rest of this series is the perceived advantage. Uh, however, however uh, small or great it might be that LA has in their starting pitching, uh, if somehow Tampa can uh, knock those guys off the mound. Uh, earlier in the game rather than later in the game, then then the advantage switches over to Tampa. Uh, is that the way you guys see it, see it, Ness? Yeah, I see it perfectly. That, that's exactly how I, the way I see it. Luke? Um, well, I look at, for, for Tampa, they're going to make it a five-inning five game because they, their bullpen is obviously a little bit deeper and a little bit better than the Dodgers. Uh, and the Dodgers are going to have to hope that uh, Kershaw and, uh, and Bueller go seven strong innings and take their lumps in inning eight or nine if there's anything left in the tank with uh, with the Dodger bullpen. It's just like the old uh, uh, Yankees uh, teams of probably the last couple of years where they try to make it a five-inning game and knowing that they've got uh, four or five horses in the, in the bullpen that are going to close things out. Now, I want your thoughts on this. I'm, 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 um, I'm kind of enjoying the baseball playoffs uh, perhaps more so than I did the NBA playoffs or the NHL playoffs, just because it feels, you know, it's there's so there's so much of a rhythm to life and to sports. It's just that the World Series at this time of year, you know, I look out the window this morning, I see the leaves dropping, the leaves are changing color. Of course, that's not happening in LA or in uh, in uh, in uh, Tampa, but in southern ontario there's there's always been a rhythm to a world series i mean I remember you guys remember when we were younger like really younger like in the in the 60s you know we they never had they never had uh, world series games at night uh they were in the daytime we used to rush home from school to watch world series games and there was that christmas of fall in the air and you know you go outside now and it feels like autumn it doesn't feel it is autumn and it feels like World Series baseball, just like it feels like high school football. And it just, it feels right. There's something about this World Series that it, it feels like a World Series, uh, in the way perhaps the NBA Finals didn't or the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs didn't. Guys, uh, any thoughts on that? Well, 
Game one of the World Series was the lowest viewed World Series in history. So, what what causes that? I wonder. Uh, it shoots down my theory, but uh, Lou, I, I just think that uh, it, it's more or less this is the time of year that they normally play the, the World Series. Uh, where basketball, they would they would be starting the the beginning of the year. Hockey, they'd be starting the the beginning of the year, and uh, they more or less. When you conclude the season, it should have been done in early spring for base uh, for uh, for basketball and hockey. And but uh, baseball, it your usual your your fall time is a that's exactly when the World Series is being played. Yeah, interesting about the ratings, Naz. It, it's been uh, you know ratings have been down for all sports, and I guess somebody's going to uh certainly the uh the networks and uh the advertisers and everybody else going to try and figure that one out um there you know there may be, you know obviously covid-19 people in people doing different things uh may have affected uh people's viewing habits in a lot of different ways but uh, we don't know the answers to that yet and i presume at some point uh somebody will do an analysis on that note we've got to go to break Right after the break, the book is called Undrafted. It's the Nick Kiprio story. Fascinating story, and we'll have Nick with us to chat about it. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville and Headbands put our heads together to create the Family Game Night Special. Get two large pizzas with six toppings between them, four dips, six bread knots, or one pound of potato wedges, plus a free Headbands board game. All for just $36. It's the most fun you can have with your bubble. Order at pizzaville.ca, the Pizzaville app, or pound 3636. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. 
Good morning and welcome back to the Nazan Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM740, broadcasting in downtown Toronto on 96.7 FM and internet streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're thrilled and privileged to welcome to the Nazan Wally Sports Hour, former Washington Capitol, former Toronto Maple Leaf, former New York Ranger, Sportsnet celebrity. Of course, I'm talking about Nick Kiprios. Nick, good morning and welcome to Zoomer Radio. How are you this morning? I'm well. How are you? Good. Thanks so much. Uh, I don't know if our producer told you we're uh, we're doing the show remotely. I've got my co-host Naz, and also joining us this morning, a gentleman who's got a little bit of the same resume as yours, Lou Franceschetti, who's also a former Washington Capitol and former Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, Nick, uh, really, really quickly, uh, want to announce uh, I've announced it previously, and the book is out this week. Uh, I've managed to read it. The book is called Undrafted. It's uh, with Perry Lefko. Forward by your good friend, Doug McLean. First of all, congratulations on the book, Nick. I found it an interesting read. A lot of different threads uh, woven throughout your book. And uh, before I turn it over to Naz and, and Lou, uh, I will tell you, the one, one, of the, one of the chapters I found the most interesting, because you relay a lot of similar experiences to what Naz and Lou and I experienced growing up, Naz and I in West End, North York. Lou, also, uh, we're all children of immigrants. Your first chapter, Growing Up Greek, um, tells your story about uh, your father, your mother, your immigrants in Canada, and hockey becomes a way of becoming Canadian, and a lot of the different experiences and images I found compelling because I could relate to them. I know Naz can relate to them, and I know Lou Franceschetti can relate to them. Uh, The first chapter, Growing up Greek, um, how'd you feel the need to uh, to relay that to everyone in the book? Tell us, uh, tell us where that came from. Well, um, certainly, it really comes down to, and Luke can speak of this. Uh, you know, when you get a hockey player in any dressing room, uh, you could you can marvel at the talent and. And a lot of things at, at that particular moment, but the the real the real uh, the real tale is is the character inside a hockey player, and that has to stem from the foundation. And the foundation is your family and the morals, the values, everything that they instill in you, and it's just not on the surface. Often when we get NHL teams together, in many ways, it's the end product. Uh, the beginning of the product is truly what is important. And Lou knows that from family, growing up, playing minor hockey, having that support mechanism in there. And mine started really uh, the moment my dad came to Canada from Greece because he fell in love in, with the game as, as a fan. Uh, he knew that he could never go and buy a pair of skates and start playing. Uh, that just wasn't an option for him. But he certainly found the joy in watching the game, and, and, and in particular following the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, absorbing that whole Toronto versus Montreal thing. You're either a Leaf fan or a Canadian fan, and my dad was all in for the Leafs with his heroes, you know, going back to... You know, Bobby Bond, uh, you know, uh, 
Davey Keon, of course, was a great captain and, a, and one of the best skaters, you know, my dad has ever seen. And that includes today's game. And my dad's 86 years old. That's how good Dave Keon was. But it was real important for me to establish that foundation in the book because it really did shape me for everything else that happened, uh, you know, after uh, leaving home. Nas? Nick, you played your junior hockey at North Bay and you scored 62 goals in the final season. How did you not get drafted? <laughs> well, it, it goes back to uh, what uh, Wally said about the thread. And, you know, I, I didn't have a great year, uh, first year in, in North Bay, but I did get invited to an NHL training camp, and, and that's well documented in the book by Bobby Clark and how I was really surprised to get that phone call. We see so many disappointed faces. Well, you don't get to see them on TV as much as I saw them covering the draft, but there's a lot of hockey players that go to the NHL draft only to be disappointed that they didn't get picked up. I didn't want that to happen to me, and I stayed home. Uh, I didn't go to Montreal my, my first year of eligibility for the draft. So I just hung around home and started thinking about getting ready for the second season in, in, in North Bay. And then I get a phone call from Bobby Clark inviting me into training camp as a free agent. And that's where uh, I ended up signing a professional contract. And then, you know, the years that I did score, you know, 40 plus goals, 50 plus goals, 60 plus goals. I, I was actually ineligible to be drafted after that. So that basically uh, was was my entry into professional hockey. Uh, I was fortunate enough at 18 to actually sign an NHL contract, which does not happen to players very hardly happened at all, to be honest with you, for for players that uh, that weren't drafted uh, on their first chance. Uh, before I turn it over to Lou, uh, just want to, uh, I, 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 I will mention in the book, uh, Nick, uh, you, uh, you took the opportunity of uh, mentioning our, our good friend uh, and guest co-host today, Lou Franceschetti. In fact, Lou, you're on page 64 and 68 of this book. You should be honored. And, uh, <laughs> the- I do. I tell a story about Lou playing for the Leafs because he was an ex-capital and Lou got us all fired up because he had a conversation with Brian Murray saying uh, you got a soft team. Uh, Lou, uh, on that note, uh, it obviously was a softer team after you left the Capitals, and it gets became a little that, bit of a hard, hard team. That was pretty much his point, I think, to Brian Murray, and Brian <laughs> wanted to use that as fuel. So he relayed that message as fast as he could back to us. Well, I guess course, you took. A, we, we know the head games, eh, Lou? <laughs> Lou yeah, we, we know. You know what? And, and Brian played them really well. It, it, it's funny because I don't think we'd ever met before our, uh, the first time we played at the, at Maple Leaf Gardens. And uh, I was, I remember that uh, it was a blessing that the Capitals did let me go, even it was very disappointing on my behalf because I really wanted to end my career there. But uh, more or less, when I went out a chat with David Pauly at the end of the season, is they more or less said, Lou, you know, we got to let you go because we got a young kid uh, uh, by the name of uh, Keith Jones coming in. And, and he's more or less, he's 
10 years younger than you, and he's probably going to do the same kind of role that, that you're going to put in. So, But it was it was a blessing that uh, I get a call in, in June that I got traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that first game, or I think it was the second game, because we did play in Washington earlier in the year, the first game in Toronto, uh, I think I two-handed you into the boards, and <laughs> Alan, May, Alan May was right behind me and, and wanted to more or less drop me or, or sucker me, and I said, I'm sorry, I, you know what, I, I didn't mean it. I, I know Nick, I wouldn't, there's no way I would have done that to you. So I, it was, a, it was, a, it, it was something that happened during that game. And then our conversation, more or less, the Caps never really played over the edge tough. They, they were physical and they were tough. But when your better players like Scott Stevens and Kevin Hatcher and Rod Langway are a heavyweight, that's a negative because every everybody on the other team wants to take those guys off the ice where they needed uh, guys like myself and yourself and Alan May that would take take the burden on to take anybody like a Dave Brown or Rick Tockett or players of that uh, of that gender uh, and make sure that they don't go after our better players. You know what, Lou? You're, you're 100% right because even after I stayed there, for whatever reason, Washington, uh, and especially in that Patrick division compared to the Philadelphia Flyers, were also always perceived as a team that just wasn't tough enough. And I also uh, uh, talk about the book that we we, we had a, a fight with the Philadelphia Flyers, I think in my second year, that led to over 300 penalty minutes, and it's still regarded as one of the, the you know craziest hockey fighted uh hockey fights uh in a hockey game in history and it got to the uh, it got to the point where again we're we're loose talking about that David Poyle had to go get John Cordick and you know we we all knew John Cordick's reputation which was you know the the toughest meanest but unfortunately you know one of the most complicated heavyweights in history in our game but that's how bad the image of Washington being pushovers was, that we had to go get John Cordick. And, of course, uh, that it led to that big brawl with the Flyers. Um, but it also led to, unfortunately, some tough times in our dressing room with John, and, and we had to let him go. And, unfortunately, he lost his, his battle with drugs just a short while later. But... It was always tough. I think Washington always had that reputation for taking a little bit of a backseat for being pushovers compared especially to the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, we're talking to Nick Kiprios. We're talking about the book Undrafted. It's out this week. You can find it uh, online and all the usual channels. And uh, um, I've read it. It's, uh, it's a very interesting read. As I said, uh, Nick, it weaves a lot of different uh, uh, different areas. Uh, you can talk about growing up in Canada as an immigrant. You can talk about being a celebrity on TV. Uh, you can talk about, and we will get into it, uh, the whole change in the hockey culture from from fighting to non-fighting, the whole issue with concussions. There's so much in this book. But right in the middle of the front page of the book, it's got a great picture of you, uh, and you're holding a stick, Kiprios, and I wouldn't say you're flashing your Stanley Cup ring, but you're being proud of your Stanley Cup ring. <laughs> uh, and, of course, that takes us to the 1994 New York Rangers, uh, which 
which is a team that will live forever live in hockey infamy for so many different reasons. Mike Keenan's the coach. Messier's the captain. Uh, 50 years, all the time period, all the rivalry with the Islanders, the Islander fans shouting 1940, 1940. You end up on that team. You end up getting dressed for Game 7. You end up hoisting the Stanley Cup. And I can't even imagine what that feeling is. There's only so many kids that have grown up in Canada that have ever experienced that. And I'm sure... You know, when your dad came over, uh, and I, I won't, I don't mean this pejoratively because my father came over on a boat too and landed in Halifax as well. He never would have envisioned that perhaps that his son would be hoisting the Stanley Cup. That moment yeah. when you hoisted the Stanley Cup, I'm sure there were a lot of people you thought of. You thought of your father, your mother, your wife. Uh, I don't know if you're married at that time. Maybe that came later. Um, your family, your uncles, everybody. Can you put that in words? Can you put that in words? It's really hard. I tried. I, it took me 12 months to do my best in this book, but I, I still don't know if I did it justice. Um, and first of all, uh, I was single at the time. I didn't meet my wife yeah. when we won the okay. Stanley Cup, and I can only say thank goodness for that because uh, um, it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> You know, and I got to actually do a lot of things uh, because we had an older team that were were uh, that, that had you know a, a wife and kids and family commitments. So I actually had way more opportunities to have fun, like take it to the MTV Beach House in the Hamptons, and you know throw the first pitch at Yankee Stadium and and that sort of stuff. So I, I welcomed all of that. You know, as a single guy in 1994, uh, but it, it is it is hard to kind of put it all into words. You know how you truly feel when you first lift the Stanley Cup over your head, and as you mentioned, it's the odds. Like there's odds to make the NHL, and then there's odds that you get to put your name on the Stanley Cup, and it's just it's a gift from the hockey gods. You just got to be in the right place at the right time, and it's just got to fall into place. And I was fortunate be a very small piece in a in a big New York puzzle um, and uh, it just uh, it was just one of those moments where you just it, it's surreal like you just take a look and you're like uh, am I really here is this really happening and just to tie it into my my family my dad my sister and my brother-in-law made the game I had actually had flown my parents to Vancouver during the Stanley Cup final. And when we were up 3-1, uh, the sense was that, you know, we were going to win it in game five and then started falling off the rails as Vancouver won the, the next two games. And to be honest with you, game seven wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't planned. Of course, you know, despite your, your, your kid being in a Stanley Cup final, you know, mom and dad and my sisters, they had lives and a young daughter at the time, my sister. And it's just, it's just hard to kind of pick up and, and take off. But it was in the last 24 hours, it was just decided they were going to come down to New York. So, you know, just to have them in the stands when we won was a huge thrill. And, uh, that's what it's all about, right? Just sharing 
those moments with people that you love and respect and have been there backing you up and supporting you your whole life. It's like nobody ever wants to hit a hole in one playing by themselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so it was great. It was great having family around me. Nez? Nick, describe your relationship with Mike Keenan as a coach. Well, I, I actually, uh, it was good. It was, uh, you know, in many ways it was professional. Um, you know, there's, there's certain guys, and Luke can kind of speak to this going through the experience of various coaches, but there's, there's, there's some coaches that know that they can squeeze more out of you, and then those are the ones that says, I'm getting everything I need, and I'll, I'll just leave him alone. So I, I think with, with me, I was willing to fight. I was willing to hit. I was willing to be patient when I wasn't playing. Uh, I was the consummate uh, pro, and I was the consummate teammate. That I, I didn't, I didn't complain. I, di- I didn't cause any uh, uh, ruffles in the in the dressing room. So I, I was okay, and he and and Keenan was okay with me. But then there were others that you know you just watch from afar. And he's squeezing everything more, and that's where the mind games come in, and, and all of that. And I do speak of that with some of my teammates in the book, and it's just the way it is. That's that was the whole coaching mentality. There is a certain fraternity amongst the coaches that uh, they got to play these mind games with their athletes. It's changed somewhat in 2020, where players today call out their coaches publicly more than I've ever seen before. Lou, we never did that. We <laughs> knew we knew that was a one-way ticket to the minors or the East Coast <laughs> League back then, but it certainly changed in 2020. Hey, Nick, you couldn't have put it any better, and people out there don't. I'd like to use a specific word, but I can't. They, they got no clue of what we went through in those days. Because Mike Keenan could have made the better move by putting you in in Game 7, knowing exactly what kind of game you were going to give them in a Game 7, knowing that whether you play 2 minutes or whether you play 10 minutes or 15 minutes, you were going to get the same kind of game. And he he had the confidence in you uh, from previous. That's why he had guys like Matol. That's why he went out and got guys like Glenn Anderson. He got Brian Noonan. Guys that knew that he didn't have to push certain buttons that they yeah. would show up at all costs and that was going to that was was going to bring them over the hump and plus with us we had to keep our mouth shut we didn't want to go down to the minors how many times are you ever going to get a chance to play in the Stanley Cup seventh game let alone and, and at the end of it carry the cup get a ring and, and have your name on that uh, holy grail well um, for sure and like i said it, it's sometimes you know we and I've done. I've seen this in the media. You make so much out of that, but he never won a cup, so therefore he's not a winner. And it's like, well, I, I, I only believe that to a certain extent. And then after that, it's just it's a timing thing in in life, not just in hockey or, or winning a Stanley Cup, but in life sometimes. And I was again, I found myself, you know, writing in the book that on a few occasions I was just at the right place at the right time, and that included Sportsnet starting in 1998 when I was at a crossroads with my concussion. And if you're able to kind of 
prepare for that opportunity of being in the right place at the right time, then good things can happen. And, and it happened to me on a couple of occasions uh, uh, in, in, my, in my life and the stories that I wrote in, in the book. We're talking to Nick Kiprios. Nick, you just uh, just brought up a topic. I've, I've got so much on my note sheet here, so I've got to start prioritizing. There's no way I'm going to get to half of this stuff, so I'm going to move it. <laughs> I, I'm going to move it along. Uh, uh, you just you just brought it up, and it's one of the it's one of the uh, constants in 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 hockey in the last in sports for that matter in the last 20 years. Concussions. We've talked about it with medical professionals on the show. We've talked about it with athletes on the show. You're, uh, you, of course, uh, because of how your career ended within that, in that incident with Ryan Vandenbush, you will always be associated with that topic. Uh, it wasn't the way, as, as, you, as, the, as the headline of the chapter in the book says, it wasn't the way you would have liked your career to end. Concussions oh. are treated weren't treated back then the way they are treated now. Uh, first of all, uh, this is a very personal question. I've asked this of lots of athletes. You, you're welcome to talk about it. You're welcome to say it's none of my business. Any lingering effects from the concussions? Are you worried about your future in any respect? Uh, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I was just going to say um, uh, yes and no. So yes, at times you do feel a little differently day to day sometimes week to week sometimes and then you start understanding that you're getting older but it's a very complex question guys in terms of you know what am I dealing with and, and lose going through this as we go into our, our, our later years is what's normal and what is uh, a direct link to the things that we put our bodies through as professional athletes so I, I still try to figure that out. Am I a guy that just forgets Wednesday's garbage day because I forget, or is it because I took one too many hits to the head? So I, at, at times I feel great, and other times I can feel it a little bit, and that's just not me with maybe um, memory, but that's also me you know, with, an, with my knee where I had major reconstruction, shoulder, which I had um, surgery on, uh, you know, we've had broken noses, Lou. You know, sometimes you breathe really well on certain days and other days you, you don't. So uh, I'm going through that on a daily basis, but I, I don't think there's any ex-athlete, especially in a contact sport like football and hockey, that don't battle the same thing. As far as feeling like I got a question whether or not tomorrow or next day it'll it'll hit me hard and – you know, it, it'll it'll turn for the worse. I, I just I, I just don't go there. I I know I know I have some ex teammates and some uh, in the NHL alumni that really worry now for their next five ten years on on whether or not um, you know they're they're going to be functional or or, or carry on um, you know a semi normal life uh, because of the potential damage that they have sustained over the years. And I just, I, I just don't go there. I also got out of the game at age 32. So coming off of my major concussion, I didn't push the envelope. I didn't go back. I didn't go get hit again and again. So I feel in many ways getting out early 
was uh, a blessing for me. I also got the opportunity uh, to get into television. That made it that much easier to retire. So I feel like I'm, I'm at a pretty good place, but there are challenges uh, on certain days, and I'm okay with that. But I, I just feel with everything that's gone through my life, uh, it, I, I feel like I, I got I to look at the glass half full. I've got to feel like there's way more positives than there are negatives. And much like my story in the book, I'll just find a way. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it is. But I will find a way uh, to make this thing work uh, <laughs> continually in my life. And I hope that's the message that the book brings, is that there's, there's different ways to get to the same destination. Sometimes it's easier, right, Lou? You got your first pick overall. He's been the best player on every team he's played for since he was seven. And you just know he's, he's destined, you know, the, the Crosbys. The Pat Kane's, the Gretzky's, you just know that they're, they're going to go on to do great things and their path is going to be easier than, than mine or lose. But it doesn't mean me and Lou can't get there. We just gonna have to find a different way. <laughs> Anyways, as, as our, as our good friend Bob McCowan says, time is becoming our enemy. Naz, I'm going to, I'm going to run this around uh, one more time. I'll give you uh, last, uh, I'll give you uh, one more, uh, one more question for Nick, and then Lou, and then I'll uh, I'll wrap it up with uh, with Nick. Go ahead, Ness. Nick, you were a high scoring junior. When did you realize you had to change your way of playing and, and take on a different role? Early, really early. And uh, again, as as Lou knows, they're not patient people in the NHL. <laughs> there's jobs on the line. There's there's uh, money on the line. And many of those guys are, are, as, are as insecure as sometimes we can be on, on certain days. So they're not going to sit and wait for me to score goals. They're going to sit there and go next up. Now, I was also kind of a uh, – not that I was a, 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 a hockey nerd where I had to know about everything about everyone around the league, but I was smart enough to understand that there's a lot of guys – around me in junior hockey that scored 50 and 60 goals and never got a cup of coffee in the NHL. So I didn't want to be this one-dimensional hockey player that said, oh, all he can do is score goals. So if he's not scoring goals, he's got nothing else to offer. And I'm like, no, I'm a, I'm a strong guy. I work out. Uh, I, I don't mind on occasion if I have to get physically involved in a game, either a big <laughs> hit or even fight. I, I can do that. So the moment I saw a little bit of a need for the Washington Capitals, I said, okay, if, if you're not going to put me on the power play anymore and I'm not going to be on, on, the, on the first two lines, then I'm, just, I'm, I'm not coming out of the lineup. That's, it's that simple. I, I'll do whatever I can to stay in the lineup, and if it means going from a 60-goal score in, in major junior hockey to now uh, – changing the energy of a game with a big hit or a fight, then that's what I'm going to do. But I don't want to go away. I said in the book that one of my, my driving forces to stay in the lineup was I wanted an Opeachy hockey card. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's Lou. That's when you really knew you made it. I had this kind of this, uh, this moment, this life altering moment when a kid at 3 a.m. waiting for me, you know, those autograph seekers outside of a Chicago hotel, uh, I think the Drake, and he said, can you sign my hockey card? I said, hey, kid, 
That's a mean trick at 3 a.m., man. I don't have a hockey card. He goes, yes, you do. And he showed it to me. And I'm like, whoa, I'm keeping this one. Here's 20 bucks. Well, you know you know what's funny, Nick? I had to wait 11 years before I got to Toronto to, got my, to get my first card. But anyway, I think both our careers are, are a mirror of each other because I was a I wouldn't say I was a great goal scorer in the minors and even in junior hockey, but we realized, both of us, adapted to the situation that if they had to put us on the first or second line, we could do it for a game or two or even four or five. But we knew for our meals to be served every single day to put a roof over our family's head, we had to do all the dirty little things that, that we had to do. We might not have liked them, and all we got called all kinds of names like goon and uh, you guys don't deserve to play. But at the end of the day, we were a small piece of a puzzle that the teams that we played on needed us to to help give that team energy to more or less to, to put other players on other teams that were probably in the same boat as us uh, on the map. I remember one time we played uh, Edmonton and Kevin McClellan, who was probably uh, you know the four-time uh, Stanley Cup winner, came up to me at the start of the third period. He says, Lou, you know we got to go. I said, Kev, it's my pleasure. So we dropped the gloves right at the start of the third period, got it over with, and there's the mutual respect amongst us and amongst teams that we had going forward. Well, and, you know, that's what I try to do in the book, Lou, is uh, have people understand that there are certain moments in your life, and you just spoke of one two seconds ago, uh, that you have to make these decisions or you have to see an opportunity. And there's a lot of pivoting in my book. And, you know, if, if the reader gets nothing else out of it, it's that sometimes you got to just identify when there are opportunities and then go for it. I didn't say no to a lot of things. And yes, there's sometimes that you're just not comfortable or you just know that, that that's not what I want. And then you say no. Most often when it was kind of gray or if it was just because I was unsure, I just went for it, you know, I, and, and everything leads to everything. Like, you know, because I didn't say no to a lot of events uh, that uh, either the Rangers asked me or the NHL asked me uh, to do when we won the cup, I was able to take those experiences and parlay them into 21 years of broadcasting because someone in the NHL office said, hey, this guy, you got you got to interview this guy. When Sportsnet started, there was someone in the NHL office that says, I've, I've seen this guy in front of the camera on a couple occasions now. You have to interview him for Sportsnet as one of the analysts. And it was only because I, I didn't say no on, a, on many things that it led to something else. And that's usually the way I, I think life kind of works in its purest form. So I hope people can... When they read it, they can understand uh, that sometimes things happen for a reason. You might think it's the worst thing that happened to you at the time, but I guarantee if you stay with it, it it'll lead to something possibly even better than you could ever have imagined. We've been talking to Nick Kiprios. Uh, Nick, as I said, I didn't get to page two and three of my notes. We barely chatted about your broadcasting career. Uh, hey, you guys aren't going anywhere. I'll come on again. We'll, we'll get you back on for sure. But that, another reason for people to get the book, because that's a whole fascinating. You, uh, you lived it. You, uh, you were at the, you were there in the beginning with Sportsnet, and you went through uh, 
the rise of Sportsnet uh, from where it went to uh, where it is today. Uh, you rode the wave with a lot of other people quite that we've interviewed this year, Cherry, Shannon, uh, Brunt, and uh, so many others. Uh, and you were a part of that. We've all been big fans of Sportsnet um, since the beginning. You were all part of that. It's all in the book. The book is Undrafted. Hockey, Family, and What It Takes to Be a Pro by Nick Kiparos with Perry Lefko. As At this time of year, we do a lot of uh, uh, book uh, promos, for lack of a better term, and this is a great, great item for a uh, for Christmas. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's got so many, so many different themes in it, and I don't want to leave it off that way. I want to leave it off, Nick, with what you're doing today. You uh, You've got a podcast, The Real Kipper, You've got a, a brand of uh, a brand of drink called Little Buddha Cocktail. So yeah. uh, tell our tell our listeners what uh, Nick Kiprios is up to October two thousand and twenty. Well, very fortunate uh, again to take the last twelve months and kind of pivot again, and uh, I was able to kind of get back into hockey a little bit on a on a much you know. Uh, smaller scale in terms of where everybody's going with the trends now and that's podcasts and youtube channels and i was able to get my good friend doug mclean and and form what we had before we had a radio show called hockey central at noon and it was very popular so we we decided to kind of recreate that for a an online gaming company called i3 interactive you can find me also on linemovement.com as we build hockey content for a growing trend, as we know, is online gambling. And Gary Bettman's now cutting deals for the players and the teams um, for for sports betting and hockey. So it just seems to be a, a natural progression there for me. As far as something else, I wanted to get away from hockey. I had to, I had to prove to myself that there's more to life and I can use my brain for other things besides hockey. So we, we formed a partnership with good friends, uh, Kim Taylor and John and... My wife and Kim are actually running the company on a day-to-day basis because, as we know, it's uh, a woman's world out there, and, and they're doing <laughs> amazing things right now. And uh, I can't be more prouder of my wife and, and Kim for taking a company out of nothing. And now they, they've sold over 20,000 cases in the LCBO. So it's Little Buddha Cocktail Company. It's uh, all organic, no sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, no preservatives, and it tastes great. So we're hoping to have our second flavor out very soon and then hopefully go uh, national very soon, too. So that's been a great project as well. And then just, you know, um, talking about my book with you guys and various media outlets as well. So it's been, it's been an interesting 12 months, uh, especially going through what everyone else is going through one of the most difficult challenges in our lives, a pandemic. But much like undrafted, you just find a way. Right, Lou? You just find a way. On that note, Lou, Lou, unfortunately, we're running running out of time, and I've got to let Nick go. Uh, Nick, I'm going to thank you. Uh, This has been wonderful. Uh, Like I said, we've we've got a lot we still want to talk to you about, and we didn't get a chance to ask you what you thought about the Leafs' recent moves. So we'll, we'll get you back another time for that one. But the book is called Undrafted, Simon and Schuster. It's the story of Nick Kiprioso. I highly recommend it. It's an interesting read. It's a great story. Thanks, Nick, so much for sharing it with us and with our listeners. I really appreciate the time. And all the best to everybody. Um, and and keep, 
keep your heads up. We're going to get through this all together. Thanks so much, Nick. Appreciate it. Uh, we have got to go to a really, really quick break, and uh, we're going to have about two minutes to wrap it up when we come back. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville and Headbands put our heads together to create the Family Game Night Special. Get two large pizzas with six toppings between them, four dips, six bread knots, or one pound of potato wedges, plus a free Headbands board game, all for just $36. It's the most fun you can have with your bubble. Order at pizzaville.ca, the Pizzaville app, or pound 3636. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are you real ready? If you're a real estate agent, we can help you sell more homes. A business owner? We'll help show it off to the community at large. And if you're a homeowner, we'll supply accurate floor plans for every room in your home. Because selling property is all in the details. Real Tours Media. Creators of 3D virtual tours, walkthrough video, HDR photography, logos and brands. Check out the one-stop shop for successful real estate agents. Realtoursmedia.ca There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me today, as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Also joining us today, Leapin' Lou Franceschetti. Guys, two minutes left. Let's talk NCAA football. You guys are the Alabama guys, the Roll Tide guys. Alabama, nice little victory yesterday over Tennessee, I believe. I uh, wasn't too thrilled about the Fighting Irish uh, so far this year, but a nice little performance against Pittsburgh yesterday. They're getting ready for their big matchup against Clemson in the next uh, next few weeks. Guys, uh, Naz, you first. Alabama, are they where you were, you thought they would be? And uh, look, they look they pretty good, Naz. They against Georgia last week. I thought that, that was a big game for them. They played really well, but they lost Waddle yesterday, and that's a big loss for them. And uh, is their season so far about what you would have expected? No, I, th- I think it's better than I expected. I thought they'd be ninth, third, or fourth. But they're right there. Perfect, Lou. Yeah, I, I think college football probably lost one of the most exciting young players uh, in college football yesterday, Jalen Waddle, who uh, tore up his ankle on uh, the opening kickoff. Uh, the Notre Dame looked really impressive against Pitt. Uh, we'll see what they're made of in a couple of weeks against Clemson. Uh, Bama, I think, right now has more or less secured themselves a spot, even though they still have to play LSU and, and Auburn. Uh, 
somewhere down the road here in the next uh, month or so. But uh, I think offensively, they're way ahead of where they should have been. Uh, defensively, they're a little bit behind. Uh, but when you're averaging five to 600 uh, yards a game, uh, it, it's tough to uh, it's tough to cry out where they are right now. But I think it's going to be a great finish because the Big Ten's back and the Pac-10 is is coming into fruition uh, next week. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Big Ten back yesterday. Ohio State, uh, they look like they uh, they haven't uh, lost a step. Penn State lost yesterday, which they were number eight going in. So I found that kind of uh, surprising. But uh, as you say, Alabama is always uh, almost like they're on autopilot. Uh, Notre Dame's got a freight train coming at them in the next couple of weeks. The number one, Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson, they actually go to South Bend. So uh, that will uh, that will tell us where the Notre Dame program is. Guys, we've run out of time. Naz, thank you. Lou, thank you. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.